right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, really, really hot weather in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Not complaining about that time. 100 days till football time in Tennessee time? I believe that's correct time. But then again, I'm not sure because I suck at math time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, dropping this on a Thursday afternoon. Gonna, actually recording this on a Thursday afternoon, gonna drop it on a Friday morning. 50 seconds in, already got one error. That's good. It's a good omen. I mean, you're kind of a mistake-prone guy, but that's part of the, that comes with the territory, right? That's true. And uh, before we started this podcast, we decided we were gonna take a, a straw poll, and whoever's uh, favorite baseball team was in first place, got to pick the topic for today. Well, not me. Pat. Austin Riley's in first place of everything, so it doesn't matter. He's <laughs> <laughs> like baseball Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the topic. Just kidding. We picked this way beforehand. It was a committee decision. We got a couple things to talk about on the podcast today. Uh, one that you're going to like. Uh, what about recruiting, Wes? Then one that you might not like Sorry, so spoiler much. spoiler alert. I just thought we needed to get into it. Well, no, you're going to like some recruiting talk, and then you're not going to like some recruiting talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, flip it around. You're probably not going to like the recruiting talk. Then we go to a commercial break, which is going to be new for us because, hey, moving on up. We're like the Jeffersons of the of the football podcasting That's world. Right. Got ads. Hashtag ad. Is that is that going to be our go-to for break? Hashtag ad. That's what I'm going to do. Let's try it. Uh, when I get to when I get to it, it'll probably last one podcast, and then that'll be the end of that. And then they'll say no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. They'll get a call. West, don't do this. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. Wouldn't be the first. You get time. a lot of those phone calls. Uh, sometimes, yeah, I get. Uh, the best ones are the hey, that was really, really, really funny, but don't ever do that again. Those are the good ones. The bad ones are that was not funny, and don't ever, ever, ever do that again. Uh, but I, I should say that um, we were talking about a little Tennessee football recruiting and we're not going to fully name it this segment because right now it might, you know, things might, it's recruiting. It might change in the next week, day, couple days. Never really know. But right now this is the, uh, that's a little Tennessee football recruiting update for you right there. Brought to you by Tommy Callahan. Uh, the, no relation, the older and better looking brother of Ryan Callahan. Ryan, the past week or two for Tennessee, specifically the past week, not been what you would call an air quote great week uh, for Tennessee on the recruiting trail. Uh, I'll throw it over to you to to discuss some of the, the specifics of this before we get into the particulars of the matter. Um, but right off the bat, when there's a top 50 overall talent and he chooses Kentucky over Tennessee – and he's not from the state of Kentucky, um, that's never going to go particularly well in this part of the country. So that's not such a good sign. And Tennessee desperately need wide receivers right now, as we can all see, because half the wide receivers, it seems like, on this team will be gone after a year. So that leaves a pretty glaring need there. And um, Tennessee 
not really getting either one of those guys they thought they were going to get, still stuck on a single-digit number of commitments. So, Ryan... Uh, and they lost a commit, too, didn't they? Yeah. They did this past that's weekend. That's true. That's true. And so, really, instead of gaining, you've lost, which is sort of the opposite of productive. So, right now... Um, when you can count, can you count them on one hand now, the Tennessee commitments? No, they, they've got six. They've got six. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could if you're Antonio Alfonseca. You can count them on one hand. But overall, uh, not what I would call ideal probably for Tennessee right now. But uh, is there room to, oh, my God, burn alive, or is it is it all right? Well, yeah, so so just to clarify, too, I, I don't think Tennessee thought they were getting either of those guys that announced this week. And that's one of the things I kind of pointed out uh, on Go Walls 24-7 when those announcements were made. But Justin Rogers, as you said, top 50 prospect, elite lineman from Michigan that Tennessee's been on been in on for a long time. He went to the same school or goes to the same school that produced John Kelly, the former Tennessee running back, of course. And he, the first time he visited was the spring going into John Kelly's senior year to come down and see him as the starter or his junior year to see him as the starter going into that, that season. Uh, So he's visited Tennessee multiple times now over about a two year span and had an official visit to Knoxville back in April, where it looked like uh, the weekend of the spring game, there was a chance he might commit to Tennessee. There, There was some thought of that. And that obviously didn't end up happening. Two weeks later, he goes to Kentucky on an official visit. And the reaction that weekend from a lot of Tennessee fans was, Wait, why is he visiting Kentucky? And and no one really thought of it at the time. Like Kentucky you, was a real threat. Did you start threat. playing basketball? Yeah. So, so Kentucky though was sort of laying in the weeds the whole time. I think has some Detroit connections uh, on the roster. So, some guys from from in the same area that he knows. Uh, and thanks for nothing, John Kelly. And they've done a good job of, of recruiting some of those guys. Uh, and 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 they worked on on Justin Rogers in turn. And and Kentucky ends up winning out uh, despite a late official visit to Georgia right before he announced his decision on Monday. So uh, the, the thing with Rodgers, though, is is during his uh, during his official to, to Tennessee for the spring game, I mean, there was there were rumblings that he yeah. was like on the verge of, of maybe committing, right? I mean, yeah. it, was, that's, it seemed like they had that one was there for the taking, which is uh, – well, obviously this week they knew that he was not going to pick them. Yeah. But, you know – well, they're back a month. They were, you know, they it looked like they were in the driver's seat. It, it it looked like it, and yeah, they they there was some talk of that. Like I said, there was some talk of that going into that weekend. It, by the end of that weekend, it was obvious he was going to wait a little longer. He he came out of that visit talking about waiting until the summer or you know even August or something like that. So he, he obviously ended up not waiting that long. Uh, but clearly, whatever momentum Tennessee thought it had going into that weekend, where there was some talk of a commitment that that ended up not coming to fruition for for whatever reason. You know, sometimes you've got to. Uh, a read on a situation that turns out not to be totally right. And sometimes, you know, player just goes in thinking, yeah, that's a possibility and then changes his mind, you know, whatever kids going to kid. Yeah. So, uh, so that doesn't go Tennessee's way. Uh, the other one, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I haven't seen an official pronunciation. So apologies for what's probably a, an incorrect pronunciation, but we're just going to call him Thou for now, but Thou Jones bell, uh, four-star wide receiver. TJB. From- what about Thanos? Yeah. Uh, Sure, we'll go with that. It's it's spelled T H A I U. Um, yeah, he took all his Infinity Stones not to Knoxville. Yeah, so uh, so so Tennessee misses out on him. They got him on campus twice this year, uh, but he's named Alabama his leader for the past you know a couple times over the past few months, uh, starting back in February, I believe. And uh, Tennessee did a good job of of you know scratching and clawing all the way to leading up to that announcement, but he decides sort of suddenly this earlier this week that. He's announcing uh, announced that on Monday that, hey, announcement coming at 7 o'clock, and 
Um, there was initially some excitement among Tennessee fans that, hey, this this finally might be one. There had been some crystal ball picks for there, Tennessee. There had been a crystal yeah. ball pick or two for Tennessee because he had some comments over the weekend at an event in Florida where he, he said, you know, hey, I, Alabama's not necessarily my leader, I think is how he worded it. Not necessarily anymore because Tennessee's done a good job and, and you know been recruiting me probably harder than anyone lately. Um, but really, when it came down to it, I you know the the timing of the decision. My my first thought was, Alabama's filling up at receiver and told him to get in now if he wants in. And yeah. that's I don't know that that's what happened, but it's very possible. I think they've got four receivers in their class now, and they have you know Tennessee has some playing time to sell at receiver, but Alabama does too apparently because they they're expecting some guys to leave uh, for the NFL draft. After and they pr- and they probably will. Yeah. So that, so need, needing some help at receiver themselves, they've loaded up at, at that position already and. Uh, and they they land him. So those two commitments on their own, you know, I don't think you'd necessarily have the reaction. But I think people are combining that with Tennessee missing out on Tate Ratledge, another another Trevor Lawrence looking situation to a lot of people where they say this kid was a lifelong Tennessee fan. How do we miss out on him? What um, we're in reality. Jeremy Pruitt got them back in that one. When also, it like, how did that bumper sticker come off so cleanly off the back of yeah, that car? My again, my two theories: static cling. Um, it was not a sticker. That makes a big difference, and yeah, probably stage too. Yeah, I, I don't know that you call over a news station to do that if you're. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It um, was my, my conspiracy theory is that Georgia may have had a little fun and told them that was a funny idea to do. Yeah, uh, may, maybe maybe we know Pruitt and Kirby don't really love each other. They're yeah, not just saying. Just saying. Yeah, maybe maybe the TV person had the had the idea. Hey, are you ever gonna take that Tennessee sticker off your car? Hey, why don't you do it now? That'd be a great shot. You know, I. I could see something like that. Who knows how it happened? But uh, Georgia Homer media member. Yeah, that's Just always kidding. always you are. Hey, there's some, there are homers everywhere, and it wouldn't. Hey, hey, I, I think if, the, if any of you try to give Rusty or Jake a hard time, I will fight you. <laughs> Those are two beautiful, awesome men right there. But but we're when, not we're not we're not we're not giving any of them any grief. Are you talking to us or the listeners? Anyone? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, so my point. I, was, I would say the, the uh, no. Go ahead, you're finishing. Well, I was just gonna say my point was that you know you combine this with Tate Ratledge going to Georgia. You know, even though Tennessee was chasing Georgia from you know try, trying to come back in that one all along uh, because they really were out of it when when Butch Jones left. Uh, and, and whereas Sam Pittman at Georgia has been recruiting Tate Ratledge since he was a freshman, if not an eighth grader. Um, you know, you combine that with Tate Ratledge and some other uh, you know Rakeem Jarrett going to LSU. Kind of suddenly during an official visit there that last was, month, that was the one that sort of got it. Yeah, looked like it got it rolling. Got people yeah. thinking, wait, hold on, something, something doesn't seem right here. Because there was some talk that Tennessee might be in the driver's seat, but that one was always a little more back and forth or open to me. I don't think that one was ever, you know, like, hey, he's about to commit to Tennessee. It just it looked like it was a possibility, much like Justin Rogers. So those 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 are the two that if you're looking at guys, they maybe had a real shot of getting at some point, and then they missed out on them. Those are the two that you'd point to, but. Really, when you look at it, it's it's kind of just those two guys, and then some others they had a shot at. So, you, but you combine these handful of announcements lately, the decommitment of Ebony Jackson, the running back that I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Put all that together, in Tennessee having only six commitments, while Bama and Georgia and other schools have double digits, and people say, "What's wrong? You know, should shouldn't there be more happening, more positive news, especially?" No in-state guys really in this class, aside from Will Albright, the long snapper. We didn't hire you to come in second. Yeah, so everybody, everybody's kind of looked at that. They, I think maybe unrealistic expectations in some ways because of the additions of T. Martin and Derek Ansley, you know, guys with good recruiting reputations, people assuming, hey, they're going to start racking up five stars now. Just In all candor, I thought they would 
get get a couple more guys too. Well, with, yeah, with I'm not saying stuff. they won't. I'm on. just I'm just saying probably unfair. No, I thought there yeah. would be a little bit more of not. I'm, I, I don't. I don't like a, like a new coach bump. Yeah, kind of yeah. like I thought there might be that bump at first where they get a couple guys that maybe. You know, T had been recruiting when he was at SC. Yeah, maybe, I was going to say, maybe in a situation you, like you that. You know, maybe you throw some hot sauce and tell him that, hey, the highest paid DB coach in the NFL is now Tennessee's defensive coordinator. Maybe you throw out a couple of things like that and, and you get some splash, but not sure. Yeah. I would have thought a little bit, maybe. My, my the, the thing I keep going back to is that it's May. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a long way to go. I mean, it, there, there's if you're a Tennessee fan, it's okay to be frustrated at some of these guys. The, the main three to me are Jarrett, Rogers, and Rattledge. Those are three big-time yeah. guys that could be difference makers for you. And at various points... Maybe not done. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. Ryan. They were looking like they had a... Maybe were leading. And, of course, it's recruiting. Things change. Not, not Rattledge. I don't think maybe that was not ever leading. The case for maybe not leading, but had a, had a legitimate chance. Yeah, with Rattledge, I think the situation was you needed him to wait longer. You needed yeah. it to be a September, October kind of decision, and you needed to get off to a good start in the season. Now, that's that's still the one thing we don't yeah. know with Tate Rattledge especially. you got a lifelong Tennessee fan. I'm, I mean, it looks like he, he wanted to commit early to put on his recruiter hat and go build Georgia's class. So I wouldn't hold out a ton of hope for this if you're a Tennessee fan, but if you still want to hold out some optimism. Here's the scenario where maybe that happens. You get off to a good start this season. You pick up a win over Florida or someone that's not, not expected. You show some real progress on the field this season. Do you convince a lifelong Tennessee fan like a Tate Rattledge that, hey, we won eight games unexpectedly this year. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to mm-hmm. jump in. You know, something you, like that. You can tug at heartstrings. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, it's, I said it before, it's like asking, it's like trying to ask out a beautiful woman. The worst thing she's going to do is tell you no. Yeah. You so can these, keep asking. Yeah. I mean, and, so and these you, aren't necessarily over. They're just yeah, and, and, over for now. I mean, who knows what can happen after this season? Yeah. You know, there's always coaching changes that can happen. Yeah. Guys move on, get different jobs, things like that. Assistant so, coaches. Yeah. Head I mean, coaches. You things never know. can change. And so you, you always kind of want to keep – uh, if you're Tennessee, you always want to, you know, you don't maybe want to blow the kid up every day. Yeah. But, you know, you want to keep in touch, keep the line there just in case something, you know, just in case something happens. But we we don't know. Nobody knows at this point how this class is going to end. No. If it ends up being underwhelming, then you can point to some of these misses as, okay, that's the reason why. But if they end up around where they were last year, and I think this class coming in, I think they did a really nice job with this class. I really like it. Um, and people thinking that they can't close with like big name recruit, big name prospects. That's exactly what they did in the last class. So yeah. um, I, I'm still not to the point where I'm questioning uh, anything long term or anything with this like staff's recruiting ability. But I get the frustration. I mean, you want these guys to to be part of your program and, and to jump into your class. And this is sort of to me on one hand, it's the sort of the second year, the first year, first full class for for a new staff. You can kind of sell future. We need you. We need playing right. time. We got playing time to offer. Uh, we got a direction. We feel good about it. They, you know, I know people were disappointed how they ended last season, but it was still, you know, they, they showed some good things last season. I mean, mm-hmm. beating Kentucky and Auburn shows that this staff can take um, less and do more with it. Uh, but I think you're getting into the territory where now, you know, what you're recruiting against and, and people are recruiting against you saying, oh, it's going to be a long rebuild. It's going to be, you know, three, four years, you won't be competing for a championship. They didn't put anybody in the NFL draft, all these kind of things that they're having to, to battle against. But, um, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson right now are recruiting on a different planet than everyone else. Yep. Um, and even if you're Tennessee, you're probably not going to out-recruit LSU and Texas A&M every year just because yep. those programs, um, you know, LSU's got a, a long string of putting guys in the NFL. Not with that kind of attitude, you're not. They've got a great home state base, Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is a, has always been a great recruiter. He's got a, a you know home state base. And if you're Tennessee, you're you know 
is is fifth best you can do in the SEC most years is probably going to be. That's just yeah. the, the reality of the situation. And um, I, I did do this, and I know Ryan, you have some stuff you're going to throw out, but not to mention Florida. And, you know. But there was one team in the top 15 of the recruiting rankings that had a losing record last year. Yeah, and that was Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so they, the teams that they were around and ahead of and just behind were like playoff teams, won their league, won their conferences, 10, 11, 9 win seasons. I think the only one that won less than nine games was Auburn, mm-hmm. who finished just a hair ahead, of, or maybe it was behind Tennessee, I can't remember. I think Auburn was just ahead of them. I think so, like, yeah. Like Hundreds. Point, like, yeah, but just like like minuscule amount. Yeah. So um, I, I'm not pushing the panic button yet, but I, I get frustration that some of these guys that Tennessee was at one point in a, maybe in, in a, you know positioned itself well for they ended up committing elsewhere. And I'm sure the coaching staff, I mean, they're probably more frustrated than anybody out, anybody in the fan base is, to be yeah. frank. So, two th- I mean, if you're looking for maybe reasons that it's not been easy for Tennessee to get off to a, to a hot start, one, Tennessee never really racks up early commitments when you go back and look at it historically. Um, yeah, I think there was like one year under Butch where they I was did gonna that, say, but, but not usually. Everybody remembers the one year that it did happen, the 2014 class, when you had Todd Kelly Jr. that committed in March. Jalen Hurd that committed in, I believe it was March also. Um, you had Coleman Thomas, some other good players that jumped in, in that class pretty early. DeAndre Payne was a four-star that com- committed early that year. Current Tennessee Titan, DeAndre Payne. That's right. You, you, you had some early commitments uh, in that class that ended up having 32 players. And that's another thing. You can When you don't have to be as selective with the class, you can you can say to a lot of players, hey, yeah, jump on in. We've, we've got to fill a lot of space. The, wa- the water's warm. Yeah, so this this year... Different situation. You, you're signing no more than 25 in this class. You're going to have to get creative just to get to 25. So you got to be fairly selective to begin with. And, and you're Jeremy Pruitt, and, and, and that staff is trying to raise the talent level. Let's face it. They, they've, they're used to winning big-time recruiting battles where they've been. They won some last year, and they expect to win some this year. So you're not wanting to just reach down your board for the sake of getting commitments the way Tennessee's previous staff, I think, did at times when things were slow. That was, that's what I've been wondering is when, you know, I, I, I'm not, from the outside looking in, as someone who tends to look at recruiting more from a macro level, mm-hmm. I, I think that in general, when you start to say, when you start to wonder, is the coaching staff maybe not panicking, but is it starting to rush things? The second that you see Tennessee getting not just one, but a few commitments in a short period of time from people that none of the other big boys really want. Yeah. <clears throat> when that happens, that could be that could be something as simple as Tennessee thinks these kids are basically five stars in their mind. They see yeah. a great prospect there. And you know, but more often than not, to me, that's when it start that's when the worm starts to turn. That's when I think you've you've started turning the page and saying, Okay, Bama Clemson, Georgia, they're racking up on all these other guys. <clears throat> LSU, A and M, Florida, they're getting some of these other guys. The, the those other guys we want. Now let's go back to beating, you know, the rest of the SEC for kids. Let's go take, you know, from some of the other ACC. Let's go, let's go beat Virginia Tech for some kids. You know, let's go beat USF for some kids. Let's, oh, go, you know, th- when that starts to happen, yeah, not just once because once it could be anything. I mean, Bama does that sometimes, but. If that happens with several kids in a short period of time, 
that to me is when you have seen a clear reset in the recruiting board Mm -hmm. and you've seen Tennessee start to push for commitments from kids that maybe they were trying to slow play earlier or kids they were trying to stay in contact with but kind of keep a little bit of distance there not take a commitment from. When that starts to happen, that is when I say, okay, they've – they're they're on to plan B now. I don't think from the outside looking in, yeah. to me it doesn't look like they are anywhere near that point no, right no, now. Definitely not. And, and that's and that's not to say again, this summer, I think you almost always in the summer see some three star commitments and things like that. I don't think if you if you see some, some of that in camps, that's yeah, not there'll be some camp. Yeah, that doesn't certainly. mean that doesn't mean Tennessee's panicking. That just I mean you always see that every summer. So so don't. But, no, I'm saying if but, you see a flurry of them, yeah. then you start to wonder are they going to plan B? Yeah, now? but I was gonna say the fact that yeah they they could probably get some commitments right now if they just wanted to. And there there was at least one stretch where things were slow for Tennessee under Butch Jones, and I I know they took a commitment that they really weren't. And they used to do that because yeah. he wanted to control the news cycle so yeah. badly that when things when they hadn't had a commitment for a while or yeah. the second there was like some bad news, something going on, like a kid gets a, you know in trouble in the offseason, anytime there was any kind of news, it's like he kept, you know, we all know Butch's back pockets, that's just always funny. But You're on he, that list. He, he would oh, I lived on it. <clears throat> I, and I'm proud to be on there in Sharpie, unerasable. But if you go in there and I think he kept a couple of kids who maybe had been We're gonna get soft commitment, soft commits, or maybe had been guys who, okay, we've taken him, but we're going to wait till some bad news happens, and then I'm going to announce that because that's how much he cared about that stuff. Fortunately, um, it, you know, it's like he tried to play three-dimensional chess, but really he was two-dimensional, sort of like the Moon Knights if you watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force. But I don't. Yeah, you would get that. You would laugh hysterically. If I'm going to go Anthony Giselnik and say, if you were smarter, you would have laughed at that. But if... I also don't know who that is. Oh, my God, Patrick. If <laughs> you, you know, if you want to be optimistic about something, know that Jeremy Pruitt does not give a flying you-know-what about any of that. That's good. He yeah. just wants good players. And, and yeah, Ryan, you, you, they, they, will, they will get some guys at camp because they, they're really big on seeing guys in person. Yeah. And, and there were a handful, not a handful, but there were a few guys in this past class that were... Camp guys, guys yeah. that, that they were interested in, saw their tape, wanted, them, wanted to see them in camp, saw them in camp, and that's how they got their spot in the class. Because like Roman Harrison, he was not yep. on the radar for anybody, and he ended up a top 200 player. Jared um, Means was a guy Tennessee found at camp, Melvin recruited McBride. for several months after that. Yeah, Melvin McBride earned an offer at camp. Uh, Aprogane. Yep. So there were, Savion Williams was a guy Tennessee pra- offered. You've been practicing the, that name. Yeah. Savion Williams was a guy Tennessee found in the spring, got him on campus in the summer, got him to commit. So... Yeah, you're you're gonna have a lot of developments in the summer. And, and, and the uh, another thing I think a lot of people are waiting on is a lot of people thought that there would be more movement on the in-state front because yep. this is such a good in-state class. And Tennessee has been, I, I think, at least from from this point of view, doing a good job of getting these guys on campus mm-hmm. um, and and making them look like a priority. Guys like Keyshawn Lawrence, uh, Jay Hardy, Cooper yep. Mays, who's just right down the road. Um, Tyler, Tyler Barron also Knox Catholic. What, what who'd you say? Tyler Barron also. Yes, Knox yes. Um, yeah, just what? What they just? Um, you, you thought that by this point, I thought at least there'd be a couple of these guys would have gotten you know pulled the trigger, gotten on, gotten in the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything to read into the fact that they've not, or is it just these guys are just hey, they're taking their time. That's their that's their right. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big decision for them. Why not take their time and not I, rush anything? Yeah, no, I think they're just taking their time. I don't think this is you know people always wonder with Tennessee. I've heard this almost every year for six or seven years in a row, are they waiting to see if Tennessee wins more games on the field, you know, before they commit? No, I, 
I don't think it's like they've got their mind set on Tennessee right now and they just want to wait and make sure Tennessee's not going to flop on the field. I, I don't think it's that at all. I think they're really just just waiting because they're uh, in, in some cases you've got guys that haven't visited many schools. You know, Cooper Mays hasn't been to too many places. He's been to Tennessee and Georgia multiple times, several times for each one in the Which last is year. Down the road, one big brother's the other. Yeah, so you, you've been to those two schools, but if you want to look at Florida and LSU, some of these other schools that have offered him, you got to wait and do that this summer. He hasn't, he hasn't even said where he wants to visit for sure, but I think he wants to look around. You know, if you're, I've made this point on on the checkerboard on GoVols twenty four seven, and and some people aren't going to buy it, and that's okay. But I, I said if I'm Cooper Mays, if there's anything I learned from his brother's experience as a recruit, he was committed to Tennessee for what more than two years, long time, long time, committed going into his sophomore year, and then he decommits in the middle of his senior year after seeing whoa Tennessee's looking ugly under Butch Jones in, in the middle of the 2017 season. Now, I said it this way. If, if Cade Mays had been in the 2017 class, he probably signs with Tennessee, and that's that. He never wavers at all because Tennessee would have been coming off a nine-win season. Or you had Jeremy Pruitt for a full year as the head yeah. coach. I think he gets Cade Mays. Either, either one, and I think you're probably right. But in that situation, with the timing, he ended up deciding he wasn't comfortable with Tennessee where they were. And who in their right mind yeah. could blame him for that? And let's, be, let's be real about that. Yeah. And so, so not to rehash that, but if you're looking at that situation as his younger brother, you might say, okay, he made his decision going into his sophomore year. I don't need to rush into things. He changed his mind during his senior year. Maybe I should just make sure, even if I'm thinking Tennessee today, maybe I should just take more visits, look around a little bit more, and be certain about it before I make a commitment in case I have any second thoughts later. If you learn something from your brother's experience, maybe it's that. So I don't think there's anything to worry about with him. I don't think he's just waiting on Georgia to be willing to take him. I know that theory has been thrown out there. Georgia's not, maybe not making him as high a priority as Tennessee. I don't think that's what he's waiting for. It seems like he would be smart to use the example of of what went on with his brother's recruitment. But he also, I think, I mean, he's got to do what's best for him. Yeah, and he's a different. he knows that. And he's a different kid from Cade. He's he's told me that for a long time. Seems quieter in a lot of ways than Cade was. I don't don't think he's going to be worried. Which oftentimes you see with a younger brother as compared to an older brother a lot of times. But I think he's not going to be worried about, you know, he saw his brother make a nationally televised announcement on the first day of the early signing period. He's not going to do anything like that with his announcement. It'll probably be very little fanfare when he does it, and it'll be a pretty business-like decision. And that's, you know, but again, he grew up in a family that, Love the Vols growing up. I, I think he still has some of that deep down in him. And, and sure, maybe there's some memory of what happened with his brother and Tennessee fans sort of turning on him after that. But I don't think that's going to steer him away from Tennessee if he continues to feel about them the way he has in recent months. And Tennessee's re- recruited him harder than anybody. So they're, they're fine there. Tyler Barron is another guy. Hasn't visited many places. His dad's on Tennessee's staff. So at the end of the day, you would think, especially now being in Tennessee's backyard, they've got a good shot there. But Ohio State and Virginia Tech are the only other schools he's visited so far this year, and he's got a bunch of offers, and he just had a great performance at the opening regional on Sunday in Murfreesboro. So does his stock continue to rise even further, and does he look around even more? You know, he, Could he be a guy that takes three or four official visits uh, before making a decision? It's, it's possible. He could also commit this summer. I think anything's on the table with him. So no, nothing to read into there. Keyshawn Lawrence just taking his time, maybe... August or September, he said, is a possibility for a decision there. And Jay Hardy, you know, another guy Tennessee's done a great job with, but he's got 40-something offers now. Ohio State and Michigan just joined the race. I mean, Georgia's a ma- major contender there. Kentucky, again, a dark horse contender there, done a good job with him. So it's, it's just a, a competition. So it's not that these guys don't like Tennessee. It's just they're in some battles. And with where Tennessee's been as a program, I think that's kind of part of the reason for that. But and sometimes you just need to win one to get the ball rolling yeah. again. You and just you just have it. Sounds people think that sounds so cliche, and 
it is, but there's a reason most most things that are cliches have a ring of truth right. to them. And, well, and especially within that group, there. Just go if you can just go all in. Get one or two of those guys. Mm-hmm. Just get one. Get the ball rolling. Was Gary behind me now? Yeah, he's like on your porch. Yeah, I've been worried that that I see <laughs> he's like sneak up he's coming for you. That like Gary, Gary's back there uh, in front of me. I can see that Crime Dog looks like he's getting ready to. He he's getting up from his nap and and he, he's looking more alert. He might be getting ready to to do a little barking. I'm already kind of eyeballing him. Like, come on, boy, come on, boy, not right now, not right now. But yeah, I, I mean. I think sometimes you just need to get one of them yeah. before you, you know, that that makes other kids, kids follow other kids. That's just what they do. And you get a little momentum and all of a sudden things change. Uh, Ryan's not a big believer in recruiting momentum. Uh, no, not at all. I, I think nobody's <laughs> ever committed because somebody else committed. But when you have relationships, it's a different story. It seems sometimes. like yeah. th- things tend to go in clusters, it seems like. Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily at the same time, though. I mean, I think like, but I think to your point, Tyler Barron and Keyshawn Lawrence have been close friends for years. They they knew they played with each other at, at Ensworth for a few years before Barron moved here uh, in January. So there, you get one of those guys, your chances of landing the other probably improves. Now again, at the end of the day, I think most kids make their own decision. Very few package deals happen. But if you're Tennessee and you're a strong contender for both, getting one's going to improve your chances with the other. Same thing with Cooper Mays. If you got Tyler Barron. That's another connection to Cooper Mays that as a teammate, or vice versa. If you get Cooper Mays, maybe that helps a little bit with a Tyler Barron. Tyler Barron also knows Jay Hardy very well, and they've they've started to build more of a relationship. So, I, again, peer recruiting probably the most overrated thing in recruiting, but it makes a difference in some cases. And yeah, if you get one of those in-state guys, maybe the dominoes start the, to fall. It, the just, cha- it just changes the perception. Yeah. The in-state guys are important because, uh, and this time of the year is important because this is when you sort of this is when you you know you get the foundation of your class. Yeah. This is when. Your core group of guys that's that commit now summer, yeah. aren't going to waver, mm-hmm. are, are going to be you know on you know coming to games every weekend yep. and being around other players. Um, and I know you said you just said you just kind of crapped on peer recruiting, but if those guys are around, you know, it can't, <laughs> no, no, hurt, I, it can't it hurt to have it can't hurt to have a lot of your commits uh, here on weekends for when you're hosting other guys on visits yeah. and whatnot. So um, during the season, and so you know it's it's definitely an important time, and I think that's why there's also some angst too, and and yeah. I think a lot of people just from the outside and not, you know, not giving these kids the benefit of the doubt to, like, it's their lives and let them make the decision however they want. They wonder why these Tennessee guys aren't just, like, dyed in the wool orange, yeah. like, want to play for Tennessee. It's, and they see it in other states. You know, you see it with Louisiana kids. Uh, you see it with other people, you know, other places that are like, oh, if the big in-state school offers, like, I'm, I'm jumping on board like right. that. And they, they wonder why it's not the same with Tennessee. That's probably a whole different podcast. But, yeah, I think that's also – one of the other reasons there's some angst and maybe yeah. some also puzzling also, and maybe this, some concern. This is, this and, is Tennessee. And angst is the default position. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. But think, it, of it, think of it this way. I, I bring up this example all the time, but when Tennessee was at its best in the late 90s, most of the teams in the states surrounding them were down at that time. I think that's a big contributing factor to why Tennessee was able to dominate the SEC for a few years there. Correct. It makes it, makes it easier. It makes it a lot easier because they could go into the Carolinas and get players. They could go to Virginia and get players. They could go into Alabama and get players. How were they able to do that? Alabama was down at the time. Auburn was probationary. Yeah, yeah, Auburn was not good at the time. So when those in-state programs are down, that opens the door for other teams. So that's why Tennessee's having to fight a little bit more in recent years. Tennessee's always been a tricky state because geographically you're surrounded by eight other states. You're bordered by eight other states, and even places like Texas A&M are trying to come in and recruit the state of Tennessee because of all the talent that's that's here now. So when you've got all that working against you, and you haven't been winning many games. I mean, regardless of how much these guys grow up liking Tennessee or or don't, you're still going to have some battles on your hands. So that's that's part of it, and that's I don't think that's anybody's fault. That's just part of part of the situation. So 
yeah, I, again, if I didn't think Tennessee was in good shape with some of those in-state guys, and they're not going to get all of them in-state. I mean, just go go ahead and... Nobody re- nobody ever Nobody ever, ever does, and, and yeah, but the exception of the 2014 class for Tennessee that, that came pretty close to getting everyone they wanted in-state, you're rarely going to see that in Tennessee. So just prepare yourself. They're probably going to miss out on a guy or two that they really want in-state. But I think they're in good shape with several to the point that they're they're going to be okay, and the core of this class probably will come from in-state if everything goes according to plan. So, again, let's reassess at the end of the summer. Let's see where things are in a month or two, and if they haven't started picking up by then, and I'm pretty certain they will, then maybe start worrying. But before we, before we move on, last year, you know, this class, Patrick, you, you, you said yourself, you thought this was a good class. Tennessee had, what, finished, finished 12th or 13th, 12th nationally. And Strong class, a couple five stars in there on the offensive line. Wanye Morris, Darnell Wright. Guess how many commitments they had at this time a year ago? Probably not very many more than what they have now. Eight. And Tennessee has six today, and they had seven before the Ebony Jackson decommitment on Saturday. Um, so, and they had, at this point, they had uh, Wanye committed, had, right? Ramel Keaton had committed. They had Wanye Morris, Ramel Keaton, Ladarius Cox, who didn't end up in the class. But, Lake- they, but they didn't have a long snapper. <laughs> hey, long snipers are people too, man. Lakia Henry, who didn't I, end up in the I class. was being serious, Patrick. So they had Wanye Morris, no, I wasn't. Ramel Keaton, Lakia Henry, and Ladarius Cox, who both decommitted later on. Jackson Lowe, Sean Brown, Jackson Lampley, and Darrell Middleton. Those were your eight commitments. In this class so far, I think when you look at the quality of what they have, they're the, actually the, in good the, shape. The Ebony Jackson uh, decommitment actually saw their average rating go up, right? Uh, it did, <laughs> because, but, but that's because they've got four four-stars in this class right now. You've got Harrison Bailey at quarterback, and again, he's, he's the linchpin. And, and to, the, to the point about pure recruiting, by the way, Rakeem Jarrett and Paris Johnson Jr., five-star offensive tackle committed to Ohio State, both those guys were being recruited heavily by Harrison Bailey and have told yeah. me recently about how much they were talking didn't really matter in the end. Tennessee's not going to get either of those guys, it looks like. But so, that, that, did, that did shatter my dream of Tennessee finding a kid whose last name was like Ivory for also a running back, and you could have had the Ebony and Ivory backfield, which would have been fantastic. But Chris Ivory. Another, another, another uh, day. Not just another, just another dream shattered. That's, that, that dream is up there in the ether with that with the podcast. With the, van, the great vanishing podcast of 2018, but, the lost episodes. But anyway, it's good to have a quarterback, a highly touted quarterback early in the class. Even if he's not going to get all the guys he goes after, he's st- you still have that peer recruiter out there to, to try and, and sort of galvanize the class. You've got Harrison Bailey. You've got Dominic Bailey, the four-star defensive lineman. You've got Art Green, the, the four-star Juco cornerback they got uh, just uh, less than two weeks ago. And you've got Jordan Davis, another one of the nation's top Juco prospects an edge rusher that they really need to bring in some help right away there. And an edge rusher who put out a, a graphic on Twitter. Yeah. And then deleted briefly. it. Uh, the <laughs> top have. six that didn't include Tennessee, even though he was committed to Tennessee and then he deleted it. And so that's clearly one Tennessee is going to have to continue fighting there. Hashtag but, uh, but yeah, he, he's going to be an interesting one because he's made a couple of very sudden decisions over the past six months, including his commitment to Tennessee. And, and you're going to need to, uh, to continue to battle there if you're Tennessee, but you got those four, four stars already in the class. You've got Jimmy Callaway, three-star athlete who, I think his stock is still rising. Tennessee saw him this spring and really liked him on on offense, uh, I think, from what they saw. So a guy who could play corner or receiver, but probably leaning receiver right now. And then, and then again, Will Albright, the in-state long snapper. So you've got six players in this class already. You've got some real quality among those six. I don't think that the – I understand a little bit of the concern. like why, But if you're looking at it like why do other schools have a lot of commitments and Tennessee doesn't, again, they rarely are at double digits by the end of May. It's usually the summer before they hit double digits. What the number they're at right now is really pretty in line with what they do most years, and they're they're just waiting on some in-state guys to to start to drop. And once that <laughs> happens, you know, again, if you start getting bad news on the in-state guys, 
okay, maybe you start to hit the panic button a little bit. But right now they're in good shape with enough guys. I, I think they're going to be fine in the long run. Clem- Clemson has se- 16 and Alabama has 17. But as we all know, they as Derek take, Dooley once said, they can't take them all. Clemson's going to. Derek Dooley once said, they draft. Yeah, Clemson's turning the- away guys that are that are going to be top targets for Tennessee for months. It's in, I mean that they're not literally turning they, them away. Their but, 16 commits are 10 four stars and five five stars. I mean Clemson, <laughs> it's this. It's like this. Clemson without having that's good, right? Without having completely filled up at defensive end and outside linebacker, Clemson told Reggie Grimes, a five-star from Mount Juliet, who's the number one player in the state right now, um, hey, we're full at your positions. And it's because they knew they were in good enough shape with some guys who hadn't even announced yet that they were going to be full at that position, and they told him they basically had to stop recruiting. In our ranking, they have 290 points already. Yeah. and if Their class is going to be insane. Um, and that it, 290 right now would put them at third last year. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're a Tennessee fan, that's the frustrating part of this, is that Jeremy Pruitt and staff can knock it out of the park. And at the end of the day, the fact that you're surrounded by Clemson and Alabama and Georgia geographically and Ohio State to the north makes your life infinitely harder no matter what you do right. Yeah, that's that's it, tough. It, it would be a good time to be in California. Yeah. And, but, and and for you know, some Tennessee fans feel like they keep losing to Georgia. Yeah. I mean, everybody's losing to Georgia. I mean, exactly. you look at the, the, the it's astonishing to me in the last class that the gap between Georgia and second and Texas and third was twenty one points. Yeah. And the guy from Texas in third to Tennessee in twelfth was like sixteen. Mm-hmm. It just shows you how far, how far and away those two programs, Alabama and Georgia, are recruiting, uh, recruiting everyone right now. And now Clemson's doing it too because you know they're coming off a title. So. No, but Tennessee's always going to have to do some out of state recruiting. But that's why I think the fact that you're surrounded by so many teams doing it well. That's why I think to get back where they need to be, and I think Tennessee staff realizes this. It's going to take a, it's going to take doing well in the state of Tennessee and recruiting because there's enough talent to, to build the core of your class off of it. And they're going to need to do that to get that program back on track because it, you just can't go into Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, places like that and win all the battles that you need to, to get the kind of talent level they're, they're expecting. Brian, before we uh, move on here uh, and get to our, uh, our, our ad break, historic moment, yeah. watershed moment here in the go balls 24 seven podcast, uh, any anyone that you know of uh, announcing soon anything to be on the lookout for? I mean, it's recruiting, so you never really know. But anything yeah. that's out there in terms of you know possible camps start next week, don't they? Yeah, nothing, nothing right now. But but like you said, Patrick, camp start and Tennessee is pushed up. It's it, you know again. I I've been impressed with the way Jeremy Pruitt and his staff have reacted to things so quickly. Not, not the adjusting his staff this offseason and things like that. He when he has seen a problem, he has fixed it. And one of the one of the just small things that people might not have picked up on. Last year, they had camps that started around the 4th or 5th of June. Well, it was after Georgia had some of its early camps. Um, and after some other schools neighboring them had some earlier camps, May 31st, June 1st, that range. So now Tennessee's having its camps on May 31st and June 1st. Their, their first weekend is, is starting at the end of May. One of the reasons for that is you have situations like Zion Logue, an in-state guy that Tennessee offered last summer. Georgia gets him down there for a camp first, and they offer him before Tennessee gets a chance to evaluate him. Well, suddenly Tennessee's in bad shape with them because they offered after a school that's perceived as and you can't better and, and, out of and state. It's hard to tell a kid, listen, it's because you got him. And you got yeah. you went to camp there before you went to right. camp here. So, so Tennessee saw that as a disadvantage, and now they've addressed it this year, and they're going to have camps as early as anybody else, and and that that helps them. So, if you're looking for a reason to be encouraged, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, it's the way Jeremy Pruitt and his staff have handled everything. The fact that they've fixed their staff when they you know in the areas they saw that that had you know room for improvement. They've they've addressed things like the camp dates. When they they've been very proactive in dealing with things so far, and I think that's if if you're looking for down the road reasons to be excited, I, I think that's it. I, I have better news though. Uh, 
do the two of you do y'all do you like products in general I use products. Do you also enjoy services from time to time? I do enjoy services. Yeah. Ryan, how about, about you? Services are good. How about the occasional uh, in-house ad? Does that does that um, does that tickle your pickle? Do you feel pretty good about that? Don't ever say tickle my Whew. pickle again. A lot to unpack. It's there. metaphorical. I know. That's the problem. Does it float your boat? That's better. Yeah. Okay. Then I have good news. It does float my boat. Then I have good news for both of you. Uh, hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back, guys. Uh, how do we feel about that? Does it? Does, do we feel? I feel rejuvenated. Don't you? Don't I'm you? ready to tackle the end of this this podcast. I needed that breather. I feel really rejuvenated. Although to be that honest, was my with, word. To be honest with you, I, I didn't open this beverage during the commercial break, which would have been smart. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen right about now. That's okay. That's cracking okay. open a can of beer. That was clearly the turning of a bottle. Although it is past noon, so even if it were a beer, I would be allowed because I'm an adult and it's the summer. By the way, what's the update on the construction here? Are we ever going to be back in the original studio or is it Sunroom RIP Rucker Studio? No, uh, we actually uh, agreed to a, uh, we got this contract signed last week uh, for the whole, in case you're missing it earlier uh, in, in the past, I don't know, however bajillion podcasts in a row. Wes's house died. We, yeah, the house died, but it's been, it's but, been dead for a while. But, the, but then the house was put back together. But then the it was put back together poorly. But then upstairs, everything else was done pretty much up to par. But the one room where I really needed everything to actually be right, uh, they the, the floor is like it's like an green at Augusta National. I'm like, hey, you know, our chairs are have have wheels on them, right? Like <laughs> this is we we'd be recording a podcast, and then we would just all of a sudden everyone would be like sitting against the wall, like you know. So I was like, we we kind of need to do something about this so we got the the agreed to the the contract uh you know got all that done so hopefully they can get in here in the next little bit and start fixing that so we will eventually be back in our proper spiritual home upstairs and not in our new home down here where we have to worry about uh the groundhogs and the dogs and the cat and see right there we wouldn't have to worry about that yep don't worry there's some there's some uh some folks changing homes this next week for, for the Vols. Hashtag segue. Yeah. Hashtag that, pivot. That is a pretty good pivot. Pretty good pivot. If you've been reading the site the past week or so, and if you've not been reading the site, well... What are you you're, doing? You're an idiot. But in case you have been reading the site, you've noticed that Tennessee's signee is about to come in. And, and how do you know that? Because... We've been talking to them. Because uh, we've been getting them on the horn. Well, most of us have. And we have been... <laughs> We're not going to name any names. Not going to name any names, Ramey. But... If no, he got his on the phone before he went on vacation. <laughs> yeah, but he's not here, so he can't defend himself. He doesn't right. need you to defend him. Th- this is the opportunity to say whatever you want about Ramey, and he can do nothing about it. And you're using. I'm going to talk about about my hardworking colleague. Elijah Simmons is very disappointed that you haven't. He's waiting him for you to call. Oh him. no, we're 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 waiting because it's going to be a magic moment. And you you can't you just sometimes you just have to wait till the time is right, and then you're like, 
Now the time is right. I'm going to get you on the phone. When he was on the, the NFL draft <laughs> stage in Nashville, he was sending you signals, call me soon, and you haven't, you've made him that, wait for that's weeks. What, that's what he, if, you, if you saw him doing one of these numbers right here. Yeah. You know? He, he dunked that basketball and threw it in the, the, the other rim from he, 90 feet. He was Just give, for you, Wes. He was giving the Antoine Griezmann, like, the, come on, come on, come on, call. But the, uh, but... These guys are getting ready to show up, and I think we decided that. Uh, yeah, which one are we doing today? I don't know. I can't. Well, no, because we, we had a couple. Offense, we, we, we had a couple of schools of thought on this. One was we'll talk about the guys we've gotten so far this week, and then next week we'll we'll do the others. But, but then Wes has to make a list, and who wants to do that? I don't want to do that at all. So we decided, and by we I mean me. Hey, offense slash defense sounds a lot better. And didn't we decide for offense this yeah, week? Yeah, I think offense makes more sense. Offense makes more sense right now. We have decided, and by we I mean me. And so guys. Tennessee's offensive players, any big news from these guys on the phone, anything interesting, anything that caught your eye, anything that surprised you? Well, I guess I guess Darnell Wright's a good place to start since he's like sure. the good, big guy in the class. Good start. Um, in more ways than one. Yes, uh, talk to him. He um, this Ryan, I don't know how much you talked to him during the, the process. Obviously, he didn't. I don't know how many a ton he, of interviews he did. Yeah, he did. He did um, them for a while, and then he slowed down. He's, he's a... He seems like I don't want to say a gentle giant, but it, yeah. just on the phone, just talking to him, he, he seems like laid back, quiet, mm-hmm. doesn't say a whole lot. Um, but I think he, I think he's smart enough to know um, that Tennessee needs him to be as ready as possible. Oh yeah, <clears throat> and so um, couple, he said he was um, three hundred thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. Expects that to to drop when he gets to campus. Um, sounds like he's forged a pretty good relationship with Wanya Morris. Yep. Uh, which as we, which if we know from some other Tennessee signings, just them telling you they weigh that much doesn't necessarily uh, yeah. mean that they weigh that much. Um, and so the uh, it sounds like he and Wanye might be roommates. He wasn't sure about that. I know that'll get that'll probably get people excited that the you know the bookend tackles of the future are BFFs and rooming together, all that stuff. Um, but that's a that's a I hope they got did they get a bigger room? They should. That's a good point. I mean, some big bigger beds. I, mean, I mean, if you had Darnell Riser, mate, wouldn't you want to put him with like one of the running backs or, or like one of the corners or something? I don't know, just whatever. No, you got to build that camaraderie. Um, yeah, but that's uh, and he he's been talking a lot to. Uh, I know he was here a couple times, um, kind of getting the lay of the land. It seems like I haven't heard any, had anybody else tell me this, but he he said that that uh, Will Friend and Brian Niedermeyer have been trying to hook set him up with like video chatting with like current players to like. Help him learn the offense. They sent him a playbook. Yeah, um, I, I haven't heard. Uh, like Roman Harrison told me that they didn't even send him a playbook because they were still like putting it in and it was changing. So yeah. they were like didn't even bother. They you know they had sent him some film to watch, but that you know that's on the defense side of the ball. So um, plus yeah. you're, you're coming off the edge and hitting people. You don't need to learn a whole lot. Well, I think that tells you how much they're getting Darnell right. Yeah, I, I think I think it's clear that they are um, you know trying to get him re- ready to play and and he's. Um, I think he understands, you know, he said he's coming in to play early and he said, I asked him, you know, what, what's a perfect or an ideal freshman season for him. He said, starting every game and playing well. Yeah. Winning a Heisman. And so he didn't say that Wes. Don't, don't put words in his mouth. Um, but, and, and I talked to his coach too. Are you saying uh, a big guy can't win it? Why are you hating? Billy Seals, Seals up there at, at Huntington. And, and he said, you know, I asked him, you know, what, is, is the transition going to be tough or what's going to be the toughest part of it? And, and he said it's going to be a pretty big leap going from West Virginia high school football to yes, the SEC. Yes, but uh, he said that you know anything that that any challenge that Darnell's faced, he's he's taken control of it. And and he also pointed to the Under Armour game where I think yeah. he um, quickly got used to the speed of going against guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and some of those other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Dean kid went 
to Georgia. I'm thinking. Is he? He's he's more of a true inside, like inside backer than a, than an edge rusher. Okay, but well yeah, maybe there's, there's probably there's probably some edge guy that yeah. went to Georgia that looked really good in that setting. <laughs> it's so, a pretty good guess. I mean, or Alabama, or Clemson. Um, and or so, all of the above. And so, I, if I recall, Ryan, didn't he move up in the rankings after that? Um, he did, I believe. Yeah, and he's. I know he finished as a five star in twenty four seven sports rankings. Wanye Morris didn't. Um, they they both had sort of their ups and downs at the Under Armour game. Yeah, but I thought, but I thought Wright finished the week on a higher note, maybe as and, opposed to more. And that's that's you know if, if they're starting or if they're not starting, they're going to have ups and downs this season. Yeah. I think they both know that. I think they're both well grounded kids that kind of understand the situation. But uh, Wright said he was he you know coming into play right tackle. Said he, you know, he didn't close the door and play and left. Yeah, uh, but he's, you know, he he'll play anywhere. I think I think Wright's a natural yeah, fit for him. Definitely. I mean, and also because it seems like it's where they, he played in the Under Armour game. Yeah, um, it seems, it, it like, seems like this five seems, seems like a right seems like this five man offensive line class. It seems like they have sort of one position for each guy. Yeah, uh, they want Lampley at center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apero played left guard in the spring, so you'd think McBride, who's mm-hmm. another guard, he Maybe played right, right. he played right guard at Whitehaven yeah. quite a bit. And then you have the two tackles. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and right, I think he's he's going to get here a little bit later. I know a lot of the guys have said they're going to get here on the twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's got uh, his graduation at Huntington is on the thirty first, so he's going to get here on the first, which is a week from Saturday. Yeah, and that's after classes start. But you can big, you can yeah you can arrive in the first week or so. I mean Henry Henry Tuo Tuo. We're we're still. There, there's there have been multiple takes on the pronunciation, and I've, asked, and I've asked Henry multiple times myself and gotten a different answer from him twice. Actually, I, I'm pretty I'll, sure I'll, so. I'm going to go with Hank T. Yeah. So what? What? <laughs> so whatever the case, Hank. he he, for example, isn't going to be here till June 4th. He told me, uh, or not expecting to be. Uh, here they probably June 4th. have school well into the. Well, I thought that, but they there. they graduate on May 26th actually at his oh. school. So he's just he needs the time. He's got to move across the country. So his family wanted to take a little more time. Get everything in order. We wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Come out a little later, so um, I don't know. I'm but just yeah, thinking. So so right. I mean, yeah. The, you mentioned the three hundred thirty pounds deal, and I I think that's pretty close to accurate. I think he's been over three thirty even at times, probably uh, in recent months. He's his weights fluctuate a little bit. You know, he's he admitted in January he was around three twenty five at the Under Armour game. I think he's been over three thirty at times, but I think that that kind of shows you that's. To me, that's not ideal for a freshman offensive tackle. I think you'd rather a freshman come in three hundred to at least three ten at the at the most, right, or something I, like that. So, yeah. so I think he's going to have to. I mean, people have kind of wondered why isn't a five star day one ready in some ways to start? Well, I think one he's raw because yeah, for one, you mentioned it. He's played against West Virginia competition. He hasn't faced many of the types of guys that he'll even if see. If Graham was here, he'd fight you right now on <laughs> bad-mouthing his beloved West Virginia. <laughs> on, on Tennessee's practice field, he, he will face better players than, than he faced throughout most of his high school career. The Under Armour game definitely helped him a lot, though. And he's got to reshape his body a little bit. And that's and, not, and, not and, in a huge way, but yeah, he, he's he, just got to drop a few extra pounds and and replace it with muscle. And that's, yeah, that's he, the thing a lot of linemen have to do, but he's got to do it quickly. He, I, th- he I, didn't, I think Fitz will have that, that boy pretty high up on his list he, of guys He didn't to fix. sound overly concerned about it. He said he usually drops weight pretty quickly yeah, when he starts think, playing a lot. And you, and we see that with guys during the season too. They get He was a basketball player yeah. in high school. Um and so, you know, he, he said he's been doing training and watching film and, and playing some pickup basketball actually. So yeah. that's that's a good sign for for his athleticism. And and uh he said Has that he been uh, playing as well as Elijah Simmons. Pr- uh, pr- uh, I don't know, that'd be a good post battle. Uh and he said that uh, Wanye and, and Aperogane told him about the uh, the fourth quarter program, which is apparently the fits his kick your butt. We brought it from over from Alabama conditioning program that they do. Uh, I know they did it in the winter. 
Um, and he said that was pretty tough. But he's just like, you know, I'll get used to it eventually. I mean, he yeah. knows it'll. He, he knows. I, I think he's smart enough to know that it's going to be a challenge and there's going to be an adjustment. But I don't but I don't think, think I, I don't think anyone it. ever really understands. Oh no, you don't. They, you don't know they, until you get happens. there. And um, but you know, he's got a couple months. And I know Ryan, you and I are Ryan. You're pumping the brakes. So I'm, I'm I'm like writing him in as a starting right tackle right now. <laughs> I just Pat's I actually just, giving him the next uh, three Outland trophies. <laughs> three Outland <laughs> no. trophies and then to the league. I just like. I just, with both these guys, I don't, you know, somebody said on our board this week, I hope they're like generational talents like Trey Smith was or is. Um, and I'm like, they don't really even have to be generational to get in the starting yeah. lineup for this offensive Maybe. line. That's the thing. Like they, they just need to be okay. They just need to be better than what they've, <laughs> than what they have currently. And frankly, what we've all seen what they have currently is, I, I like, isn't that great? I, I mean, like there's some chances. guys that have, there's some guys that are getting better. Uh, I do think that Nathan Niehaus, if he started the first game at right tackle over Darnell Wright, I would not. That would not shock me. Right, because Pruitt um, likes Niehaus. I know that for a fact. Um, and and you know and that that's a possibility for sure. But I just think these guys have size, strength, ta- talent, yeah. power, and you know they're the, they're your future. I don't. I know you're not going to coach you know to win games down the road. Yeah. But you know. I, it, the long term, if you're playing for the long term, you'd start those guys and take your lumps and go from there. But they're not going to do that. They're going to play the best player, but I don't think it's a stretch to think that those guys can come in and, and show that they are the best player. And, and I think if you're telling it's a long way to go, you're right. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a given. It shouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm saying it's, I'm acting like it's a given, but it's not. I mean, right. I mean, we I, all know that. I think most people, most love how fans understand too, that, you know, if he doesn't come in and, and doesn't start day one, that it's not, you know, he's not a bust. It's not an indictment of him or anything right. like that. It's I'll, just, it's a tough position to come in and play right away. You're right. I'll put it this way. I, when I spoke with a couple of our analysts who were uh, at the Under Armour game uh, back in, in early January and saw both these guys all week, and again, Morris and Wright, they were, they were good at that game at times, but they weren't, they weren't seen as two of the top offensive linemen there. They, saw, they were seen as guys that had an up-and-down week, which, again, that's to be expected from a lot of guys, but they didn't go in there and dominate. It was a loaded offensive line that Darnell Wright, well, actually, both those guys were on the same team, loaded team, and... I asked guys who were who saw them there. Who do you think is more raw? Or who who looks more ready to play right now, and who's more raw? And the the two guys I spoke with both agreed they thought Darnell Wright looked like he was a little more raw than than Wanye Morris. But in which some you, ways, which you would naturally expect given where each of them played high school football and, and and the way they're built. I think I think Wright part of it is yeah he's well iron sharpens iron, and you're playing if you're Morris, you're yeah, probably. Yeah. You're probably but playing Moore, against a different level. But Morris had the body, like the way he was built coming out of high school. He's got long arms. He's, yeah, he's got base. Yeah, he's got he's got everything, and he didn't those, look like he was carrying those, too much bad weight. Oven mid hands. I, I think I think Wanye added some bad weight just before he got to Tennessee, but he for most of his high school career he was very trim. I don't really blame a kid for that though. You're getting ready to get killed for the yeah. next four years. I'd go yeah, ahead. Pruitt, Pruitt talked about how he yeah you Wanye know, came in and kind of changed his body a little bit, yep. dropped some weight, and and and, Dar- and that's and where be Darnell the same is. thing with Darnell too. And that's as I was gonna say, that's where Darnell is. He's gonna have to reshape his body a little bit. You know, I don't. If he's three thirty at the start of the season, it, it's going to be hard for him. Probably, you, but. you could you could tell in the spring. You just had to look at Wanye. Like if you you know all all offensive linemen, pretty much ever um, have they got a belly. Like if you're going to put three hundred twenty pounds on somebody, I don't yeah. care how much strong they are, you're going to have a little bit of a, a, a belly you on are. you at that yeah. point. But you could tell looking at Wanye that 
he just had a little more of a belly in some ways because he was a freshman and he just got there. He should have been a high school senior. Yep. It's a different kind of like, he didn't have like the man O-line body yet. He he was, he had all the, you could see all the potential in the world. You like the frame, everything else. He just needed to firm up a little so, bit. So it's all that. And it's, and to me, it's the, it's the quickness and the ability to not make any just glaring mistakes. I don't think there's any doubt that Darnell Wright could go out there and he's probably going to give you a really good snap, seven out of 10 snaps. He's going to do his job a lot. A lot of the time, seven out of ten well. snaps would be an improvement for this offensive and, line, and it, it might be. the The question is: Is he going to have those occasional gaffes? You know, is he going to have the false starts? Is he going to have the plays where he just totally whiffs on a guy because he's not used to seeing a certain move or just is totally caught off guard by something? Is he going to be consistent? There's so much technique stuff too that goes into offensive line play that people don't even don't even think about really because it seems fairly simple when you look at it, but it's more complex than you think. Uh, so and, and defenses are more complex defense, than they've absolutely. been before. And they're, you're Knowing who to block. You're, you getting, know, you're getting stunts, you're getting different edge, yep. you're getting zone blitzes, you're getting like everything. When there are two guys blitzing you. on your side along with the guy right in front of you, oh, who do you block, well, hey, all that's, those things. That's, that's, a, that's, that's another reason to start both freshmen. And I got, so new, that, and so I got news they, for you. They, they don't just pick on one of them. Well, and the other thing is, <laughs> if, you keep, if you just keep Jarrett Garantano upright, you've got some weapons around him, so you've got to decide in some, in some ways between – Kind of the the guy you can count on, maybe the the more responsible guy that's going to give you a, uh, that's going to be more consistent and not get your quarterback killed, and maybe the choice between that and the guy who's going to be really good sometimes and really bad sometimes. And I got news for you, Tennessee. Whoever you're playing early in the season, there won't be a lot of film out there on everybody yet. Yeah. And what here's what you're gonna here's what's going to happen. Guarantee you, you're going to see the first three or four defensive coordinators who are playing Tennessee. So the ones who really will focus on them a little bit in the off season, they'll have different days, put it in for camp and they'll be talking about Tennessee. And when they go play Tennessee, I, I, I guarantee you put a mortgage payment on this. They are going to say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go after those freshmen at tackle. Or the, if there's two freshmen yeah. at tackles, I'm going to throw so much exotic stuff off the edge at them that I'm going to confuse them and I'm going to crush Garantano. Yeah. That that would be my game plan from the outset. But nobody's paying you half a million dollars to coordinate a defense. Well, and, no, but I, you don't need to pay me that much to say I'm going to go after some freshman offensive tackles early in the well, season. Well, and the other thing, too, confusing or not, I mean... But if you want to pay me that... I just want to point out how you're not making half a million dollars. I, I would <laughs> That's our poor. I mean, you know... I Here's mean, the train. I'm doing all right. I don't know if I'm doing 500K. All right, but, but I'm doing all right. But, you know... Yeah, and, I'm not making 500K Hashtag I'm rich, is and, what Wes just said. It is. Uh, throw, forget My the apartment con- smells of rich mahogany. Forget the confusion No, right now it smells though. of Virginia tobacco. Forget the confusion part, though. Just facing Florida's and Georgia's, you know, all these defensive ends and outside linebackers you face in the SEC, it's just hard, too. So you've got to have guys that have seen it before in some cases. So I think there, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to what you're saying, Patrick. They, they may just be more talented than everybody else on the offensive line. We'll see. We'll, we'll find out when they get out there in August. But to assume that those guys are going to start, you know, I, I've said all along, I think the ideal situation is you're not starting more than one of these freshmen in the season opener because there's a good chance both of them are not going to be a hundred percent ready, but you may have to live with two guys who aren't a hundred percent ready just because they're that talented. What other uh, freshman offensive players have we, uh, well, yeah. well, we should stick on the offensive. One, one last thing on Darnell is he doesn't turn 18 until August. Yeah. So he's still got some development to he's do. A baby. One of many he's reasons. A, he's a baby to like him. And he, he, he's a, I mean, Barton Simmons has talked about this. He was a track and field guy. So he, you know, he, he did shot put and stuff like that, I think. So, he, I mean, he's got a ton of natural strength. That you know, again, offensive line is developmental, but a lot of times that's because you've got to get stronger. He's going to come in ahead of most freshmen, I would say, in that area. He's not going to be, you know, just 
as strong as a fifth-year senior, but he's going to be pretty strong, and that's going to give you more confidence throwing him out there pretty early. The, one day my dream will come true, and there will be an Olympic sport with a 4 by 100 relay, and everyone has to weigh 300 pounds. That'll be like... If it's that, like, that it's would like be the... the, uh, the who, you tell me right now, who the hell would not watch that? It's if like there the, were an Olympic sport of 4 by one you have to weigh... Like, you weigh in, you got to be 300 pounds to run in it. I would watch that. Oh my it, God, it's like who when... Would, who would not? Back in the early 2000s NBA All-Star Games, when the West team would go with, like, the all-seven-footer lineup with, like, Dirk, Shaq, yes, Yao Ming. Yes. Uh, I don't know if Garnett was seven feet, but they put him in there. And it was they they do that for like three minutes and it was just great. Um, the, you, you spoken with Melvin McBride. I, I did talk to Melvin McBride. You want to hit on Lampley first? Um, uh, Lamp- go ahead with McBride and. Uh, I'm I'm reading my story. I talked to him a few days ago. Good recall. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, he's gonna play guard. He's another guy. He said he was at three nineteen. So expects they want him. Uh, they'll get him down to three ten. Um, not a deal breaker for a guard. Oh yeah. no. Um, he. Uh, Ryan, I know you really like this kid. Um, didn't play football. He's only played football for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a basketball player. Said he didn't even really watch football or even sports really that much growing up. Um, and then uh, Rodney Salisbury down at Whitehaven was like, hey, come out and play football. Um, mm-hmm. and he, You're big. Give it a shot. Uh, yeah, he, he's not. Uh, he's only like 6'2", six 6'3". Six um, but he, he's another guy that's like, I mean, he's didn't play basketball this year, which I'm sure was different for him. Uh, and spent spent the off season really working on football. Uh, said he watched the orange and white game like five times, just trying to like envision himself his future there. Um, okay, he's, you, you could find better football to watch he's, than that. <laughs> he's probably the shortest of Tennessee's five offensive line signees. He's in, in the ballpark at but, least. Uh, but when I wrote the story, the first time I actually like really like watched his film from start to finish. That dude has a chance to be a mauler. Yes, um, just like just he's putting dudes on the on their back. Obviously, we know it's Memphis high school football, so it's a really elite level. Clearly, that football. I w- That's a stunt for my former. Yeah, uh, I, I I I often say Memphis Memphis high school football is great at the skill positions. But this is the this line is, of scrimmage. It can often be a little. But suspect. this is a guy. But this is a guy again that was a, a camp guy. Went in. Um, they loved his athleticism. I think he had like a thirty-inch vertical, which is pretty good for yep. a guy that's 315 pounds. It's not Elijah. Um, Elijah and and you just you, you see you see a lot of upside there if you're Tennessee and and, and watching his film. You, know, you see a lot of things to, to work with. I think he's definitely a redshirt candidate. Mm-hmm. I think he and Aprogan are both guys that are early on in their developmental process. Uh, but McBride said he, yes, you know, I think he, I think he's level headed about it too. He knows he's, he knows he's, he's going in and this is going to be his third year of football and he's, he's looking forward to uh, the staff continuing to, to develop him and, and grow him as a player. Yeah. And Jackson Lampley, another guy that I think is going to, going to need some time to develop. You know, we talk about that, that strength and everything, you know, he, most guys just don't have it coming in. It doesn't mean that they're not good prospects. It's just you're not going to be as far along as a guy who's been in an SEC strength program for three years. That's yep. just, and that's what usually what you're going against when you're talking and, about and competing. an SEC nutrition program yeah. and everything with your with your tailor made sort of weight gaining and weight trimming shakes and everything they got. Yep. So Lampley told Grant he's around six four three zero five right now. He plays. It's interesting to me that they want to play him at center. I I think that's the the best fit for him though. I think I mean because he's they a, played right tackle and. Left tackle. NBA, left tackle, left tackle, left okay, tackle. So yeah. he, yeah. So he, I mean, yeah, in high school, he put your best. Yeah, guy it's a good example. Most most high school linemen you're going to find are tackles, and often left tackles that that end up at the SEC level. The difference yeah. with him, high he, school centers weigh like two forty a lot. I know? would say he's <laughs> like he's six three or six four, but I'd say he doesn't have the longest arms, yeah. so his so his reach isn't ideal. So so he he admitted to to Grant this was interesting. He said I I think interior offensive line is more natural for me than playing tackle was. So. Uh, and, and he's when you look at him on film, he's got some plays where again most high school linemen do this, but he looks like a mauler at times. He's got a chance to develop into that, 
as the strength improves, I think you'll and see he's some playing of that. decent competition. Yeah, absolutely. At the at the, it's not as good as the Memphis competition, but you know, I mean, well, he plays some Memphis teams. Well, in, I mean, D two. Uh, the number of state D2. championships would probably the the East of Middle Tennessee seem to own would <laughs> probably go. disagree. But that's okay. Uh, not there, a good deal. I think, I think there are always so many know. Division two schools in Tennessee. You, they you, end up playing Memphis. You know what we can always agree is that all of them are better than uh, than Ramey's uh, Upper East Tennessee in yeah. the high school football playoffs yeah. every year. You're gonna make some Upper East Tennessee people pretty mad. Oh, I've been doing this for. <laughs> five year, five or ten years they know um, they know i'm kidding when i say which nine and one team are you going to have this year that loses to a five and five team that from knoxville in the first round. that maryville beats 35 <laughs> that, to seven that loses in the first round to a knoxville team that went five and five but but yeah lampley's coming in he expects to start off at center i think that's that's a natural fit there like you said you've, they've got kind of a natural five five lineman class that has five guys that'll play five different spots maybe starting off and uh that, that's interesting he's the son of brad lampley former tennessee lineman so you know this is the guy that started off tennessee's class essentially and uh you know has, has been dreaming of this so i think he's, he's pretty fired up to get on campus he's going to be there may 28th patrick like you said that uh, most of the other guys will report then and uh yeah i think he's one to watch as, as he develops I'll, I'll be really interested in seeing how quickly he gets up to speed this fall if he's if he if he's already got you know some of the things down and, and just how how quickly he adapts because I think he he's an interesting player down the road. I, I think two or three years from now he could be, uh, you know, definitely in the mix at center or guard. More, more likely center, I think. But you know, as, as he picks up center and, and remember, he's probably never snapped really in games uh, very much. So he's gonna have to pick that up too. But as he gets that down, I, th- I think he could be a really fascinating player in a couple of years. You want to go ahead and get Sean Brown too, so I can finish on means. Yeah, and another guy that I think people are probably sleeping on. Unless you have any of your signings. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, they're going to be in their own podcast. <laughs> I, I, I think Sean Brown is, is a guy a lot of people are probably sleeping on. That I'm actually, gonna, I, you know what? I'm, when they here, here's the way I look at it. When they enroll, I'm going to have fresher news than any of you people. <laughs> um, well, we'll, we'll, you might have to go help them move in to get them. That's to true. Get, to get to talk to them. Yeah, yeah I, I, you should be hanging outside the athletic uh, door. I just I just slung like thirty bags of mulch yesterday, so probably not going to happen. But but Sean Brown's a bigger tight end. He's he's 6'5", 245 and, and has a big enough frame that his high school coach said, you know, multiple times he's like he he could be an offensive tackle in time. He could be a defensive end. He plays defense for us some, you know. He he could do a lot of things just cuz he's a big strong kid. And he's one of those tight ends that was not in a high school offense that threw the ball to the tight end a lot. He even I think at one at one point this this season, uh, this past season, he got thrown in at left tackle uh, a little bit. And yeah, he uh, Jeremy Pruitt pointed that out actually in uh, back in December after Tennessee signed him uh, the last couple games of his career played left tackle so he, he's got that strength that you want at tight end and I think he can help them as a run blocker early on I think when you look at what they have Niedermeyer, at tight end Niedermeyer really likes him in that in yeah. that way I think when you when you look at what they have at tight end they, they've got a lot of guys who are built more like James Brown you know Austin Pope they're sort of that smaller tight end frame they're not necessarily they don't come naturally to the. That was a bird flying into the window <laughs> right behind your face. Because why not? It when you, scared me. When you have a room like that's just windows, like on pretty much all the sides, and then yes, bird, we've all seen the Windex commercials. <laughs> birds fly into it sometimes. Although the bird flew into one of the messed up windows, which uh, that's just a really stupid bird. I mean, if you fly into one of the clear ones, I'm like, okay, but that's like the the one that we put over there because it's kind of like it needs to be replaced so we put it over there because it's all foggy and and that's just a really 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 stupid bird so so brown he's 6'5 245 you know you put a few pounds on most freshmen when they get there so i mean this is a guy who could be 255 260 by the time fall practice starts you know he may be a bigger tight end from the get-go but we'll see how he develops but i, I i'm i'm really interested interested in seeing if he can get himself in the mix as sort of a run blocking specialist almost i, I could see him being 
a second or third tight end and, and goal line sets, that kind of thing. So he, he's a guy that might not play a huge role as a true freshman, but if there's some, if there's a dark horse you're looking at as maybe someone who could get some early playing time, I think he's he's one of those guys. I think both he and, and Jackson Lower, I would be surprised if they're not playing a lot by the middle of the season. Yeah. Just because I know that's a tough position to come in and transition into and play. There's a lot to level. learn. It's, it's a lot to learn. You yeah. got you got to know everything. You got to know blocking, every aspect the of the offense. assignments and checks. Yeah. You're going from blocking high school kids to grown men, SEC you got, defenders. You basically, I mean, I look, I look at it this way. A lot of people don't like, think of this like blitzing safeties. You got all kinds well, of different guys that are just yeah. have to pick up there. You basically have to learn the receiver responsibilities of a wide receiver and, and offensive, offensive, line, offensive yeah. line responsibility too. So it, it's but I just it's another position where I look at what Tennessee has and outside of Dominic Winner, yeah. I'm just like, eh, it's not a stretch to think those freshmen are better than what they got. Yeah. So at the very least, I think Brown is in the mix, you know, to be a you know number four tight end or something like that, where an injury puts him in in some spot duty. So at the very least, I think he's someone worth watching this fall and, and not a tight end that you would automatically say is on red shirt watch. Although it's entirely possible with the new red shirt rules, he's a guy that maybe plays in a few games and still red shirts, but I think he, he definitely could play some this season. All right, we'll wrap it up with Jared Means, a uh, guy that I talked to. It is Jared, um, right? Yeah, that's what Pruitt said in signing. That's what you yeah. told me. That's what I, t- I, I thought. To no, I'm saying I thought you were going to confirm that. And by the way, I just triple checked. None of y'all get all the guys that I had were defensive guys anyway, so all of you can just <laughs> shut up. We just wanted to throw that in there. Anyway. Well, that's part of the reason we're doing the offense right now because we've got we had to stall because we're waiting to talk to the we've got all the defensive guys on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I wouldn't have had any this week anyway. Uh, yeah, he he didn't correct me on on uh, on saying his name, but uh, a lot it, of, it's Jared. I'm I'm ninety percent certain. This guy, um, it's Steve. He, Steve. He sounds like a wide receiver. He's like I was like what you know what are the first thing you're gonna do when you get there? And I was like I want to get a good relationship with the quarterbacks. Be throwing me the ball. Smart guy. Smart guy. Smart business decision. Um, again, a guy, a guy that was at camp last year was sort of flew under the radar. He was committed to North Carolina, at, right, Ryan? Um, for, that is that is right. for a while, but they, athletically they impressive. liked him. They had he the was, coaching change there, and that sort of yeah. His recruitment was, open. He was um, around six two, around two fifteen ish. Ran like a four four forty at Tennessee's camp. Had yes. a really nice vertical jump. Um, but he said, you know, he, he's going to get here on Sunday. So he's going to get here a little bit ahead of some of the other guys, um, and, and he, he doesn't. Have, he, he doesn't have to see the Grand not, Canyon on the way. He's not. He's not. He's from coming down from the Atlanta area or coming up from the Atlanta area. So, uh, and and that's going to be a tough position, I think, for him to crack the field. But I mean, I think he's he's coming up with the attitude that he's just going to work hard and see where it ends up. Um, he had a great quote to me. He said, "If I play this year, I'm grateful. If I don't play, it's all my fault." <laughs> so, and I work hard enough. That's what it, you know. That was his line. So, um. Yeah, I think he's. I, I again, I think it'll it might be tough for him to get on the field just because what they have at receiver, but we'll see. Um, I mean, it, it's he's a guy who, when you show up a, to a camp athletically and you perform the way he did, I'm not going to say I don't care what your rating is, but but I can guarantee you that Tennessee's coaches absolutely positively do not care what his rating is because they saw him. Oh yeah. I didn't and, even, I didn't and, even bring and, that up with him. Yeah. They, they saw him and they knew at that point that they had front door. They knew someone's that, coming here to murder us. Yeah. That was a uh, Ryan actually had to check out early to do a, to do a, 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 a to do some Ryan stuff. Yeah. What do you call it? One of those interviews. I he's got know. some things he's got to Cal handle. Yeah. Can he Cal handle it this week? No, I think that any anything else before we uh, step on out of here, Patrick, is there anything you want to say about a baseball team that's not in first place currently, or is there anything about um, John Morant that you'd like to mention or Memorial Day, anything else? 
No, I'm good. You got any Memorial Day plans? Memorial Day weekend plans? Got, got some family. Plans? Got some family coming in town. Oh, yours or the wives? Uh, mine actually. Got oh. some grandparents. There you go. Oh, that's uncles. nice. That's nice. Going to be spending some time in the yard this weekend. Looking forward to it. Planting uh, some poison ivy. No, I think I think it's all. I have to be cleaning it off my arms at this point. Uh, that's that's where it is. But but before we get out of here, I do want to seriously give a shout out on Memorial Day to everyone out there who does all the things that we are too cowardly to do ourselves. Uh, selfish, uh, I guess. I'll uh, you know just coming from a, a family of of a lot of these people. Um, you know, I'm you know I, I could go on mentioning all day the family members I have who are in or have been in the services, friends that I went to high school with, people I knew from college. Just thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone uh, for for serving and for doing the things that uh, that people like uh, Patrick and I uh, do not do. Unless you have a little guard duty or something on the side that you're keeping from me. I do not. You don't? No. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. As always, we'll be back next week. We were going to do a, a Hoops podcast uh, late this week, too, but I think we'll probably wait till Ramey comes back and we'll do one talking about the Grant Williams exit and, and all those other things and, and what all that means for Tennessee. Uh, also, we'll give a uh, mention to guys like Brad Woodson, Lucas Campbell, staying with the program as graduate assistants. That's also uh, big news, but really good news for Tennessee because keeping those guys in the program uh, is a really, really good thing. Uh, I think those are two guys who could be coaching in this game for a long time, and uh, they're guys that will be good to have them in the program. But uh, if you want to read about this and several other Tennessee football, basketball, baseball, softball, quarter flipping, midget tossing, all the different things that, that Tennessee does. You can go to GoVols247.com, and you can read all about that. You can follow all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And selfish, not team player Grant Ramey is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also get all of us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash GoVols247 if you want just – uh, Tennessee news. If you don't want me doing all the ridiculous things I do on social media or, or Pat talking about his Grizzlies or Ryan talking about his loser St. Louis Cardinals or Ramey doing whatever it is he does with no caps or pronunciation ever on Twitter, you can go. Uh, if you want, don't want to see any of that, you can go to Duval's 24-7 on Twitter and get that. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com. Slash GoBoss247. Uh, we got uh, Pat and Grant are most of the guys there. They do a great job on that page. Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, go to GoBoss247.com where you can get uh, right now 30% off on an annual subscription, which let me tell you guys, that's pretty good. We said earlier that if Tennessee gets 70% uh, grades on the offensive line sometimes, hey, that's pretty good. If you get a 70% price on GoBoss247, I mean, that's like... That's like the best deal I've ever heard in my life. I haven't heard of one better. Legitimately, people have tried to give me things before, and I've said, you know, no, I don't, I don't really want that. But if you get that much of a percentage, GoVoss247.com, you're an idiot if you don't do that. And I don't want to call you an idiot. I just, listen, take advantage of that deal, or you're an idiot. Pat, any final thoughts? Nope.